Hi, welcome to the Digital Society Ventures podcast. On this podcast, we interview startup founders and investors about their company's mission. We'll dive into the disruptive technology and business models that are collectively driving a broad transformation of our society. Join us for the raw insights and inspirations behind entrepreneurs uh, working on tomorrow's world-changing ventures. I'm your host, Roy King, and with us this week is Jordan Sinclair, founder of Autumn. Autumn provides productivity software for machine shops. Thanks for joining us, Jordan. Yeah, great to be here. Uh, I wanted to start off at asking, you know, what was the inspiration? This isn't necessarily your typical, uh, you know, uh, tech uh, Y Combinator business uh, audience. Uh, what, what was the, did you come from the machine shop background or the? the yeah, no, that's a, uh, that's a great question. Um, so, yeah, I mean, funny enough. There's, so there's three co-founders as myself. Um, there's Nelson Wani and Dalen Ball. And none of us actually have any experience in the machine shop industry. Um, Nelson actually is kind of the, the original founder that sort of kicked it off. And, and he originally was looking at an area that was totally separate um, from kind of machine shops. But upon digging a little further, he kind of realized that his idea didn't have a lot of grounding. And so he kind of just started talking to businesses. And he actually kind of worked on kind of ideation for about a year um, and he was kind of in an area that I was doing some sales calls in um, within another we were both in this uh, this collabs program in Saskatoon mm -hmm. um, and a lot of the people that I was talking to it seemed like they were looking for something a little bit more akin to what Nelson was working on so him and I started working together in the fall of 2019 and we just kind of bummed around Saskatoon in a, uh, a Ford Taurus and talked to a whole bunch of shops um, originally we were a little focused around paper in particular and kind of paper on the shop floor. Um, but over time that kind of evolved into something a little bit more, um, planning, um, and kind of scheduling focused. And we saw a, a real kind of need, um, from machine shops around because the type of work that they do, um, it's a lot of one-offs. So they don't often create the same thing repeatedly. Um, and with work like that, and on, in a lot of cases for these shops, they've got a few really big clients, um, whether they're mining companies or, or other heavy industrial, um, you know, clients, um, what that results in is, you know, their schedule on Monday may change multiple times. And, you know, by the time Tuesday or Wednesday hits, it's a totally new schedule. And so they don't have a lot of tools that do a great job of that, especially the digital tools that are available. There's very few that are built for this industry. Um, and so they often default, you know, whiteboard systems or Excel or, you know, some old legacy system that they've kind of built themselves, but it's not quite keeping up. And so that's kind of the, the beachhead that we've sort of seen a lot of our, our success thus far kind of grow off of is, is taking some of these, you know, analog or outdated systems that they've been working with um, and kind of modernizing them and bringing them something that kind of connects everybody from those on the shop floor to those um, on the, uh, the office side of things. Yeah, and so what stage are you at now in terms of product development? Do you have a, a, a pro beta prototype? Or? Yeah, no, so we've got a, right now we've actually got a product that's live um, and being used um, in one shop. It's fully rolled out. So there's about 30 guys out on the floor that are using it regularly. Um, that shop is accessing it through just a mobile app. So the guys are, are using their own kind of personal cell phones. So when they come in in the morning, 
they can see kind of, you know, the work that's available to them. They can clock in and out of tasks, access work documentation like drawings. Um, there's some task and project based messaging that they use for kind of shop floor communication or communication with the office. And that kind of brings us to the office side, which is very is more web app based. And that basically gives them a, a digital whiteboard. So for this shop in particular, they had about, you know, 15 feet of whiteboards that they were using before. And now they've just got a single kind of central console that they can kind of schedule the workout on. And that's what get, gets reflected back to the guys on the floor um, and vice versa. The guys on the floor, as they do the work, that's reflected so they can see what's happening on the floor from the office. Real-time updates. and Yeah, yeah. Um, well, the, you know, the value proposition is, is really clear. And, you know, I like <clears throat> on your, your website, you sort of are, you know, point out how the shop floor is the, you know, the, the ugly stepchild mm -hmm. um, the, for sure, of, for the, sure. of the IT department. And, yeah. uh, and, but there are some, you know, clear, you know, challenges to, um, you know, digitizing or enabling that. Um, and it's been interesting to see some different approaches to kind of break into that, um, you know, in, into that space and, and particularly with, um, I would say the a vast majority of these shops having, you know, the information or the knowledge about, you know, the expertise is trapped in the heads of the yeah. older, more experienced workers and there's tech transfer issues and, you know, onboarding and training and sort of all of the bigger business issues that cascade from that, you know, um, that bottleneck <clears throat> that's yeah, 100% the shop floor is. But at the same time, like the reason why it's resisted, you know, use of that to date is obviously they don't have desktops, computers, but, mm -hmm. you know, they're, um, you know, not in a digital environment, in a very hands-on, you know, material yeah. analog environment and, um, and attitude and, and breaking through. Um, and I would, I would sort of look at it from your, you know, your user base and making them happy is not necessarily the same as your customer and who's making the purchase. Yeah. No, um, that, that is a definite challenge for sure. And so how have you, um, you know, how do you split the, the product or the time? And you mentioned you've got both a, you know, a floor, a shop floor and a back office kind of view. Mm -hmm. And most of the, the value comes in the interaction with the, with the shop floor teams. And I do think that, yeah. um, you know, is, I think the numbers are something like 150 million workers in the U.S., you know, don't work at a desk, are not traditional, like, yeah. you know, app workers but they're all they all have their smartphones and they're all starting to get their scheduling and other yeah. things like that. so i think it's definitely you know kind of the time where that wave is coming but i'm curious how you know are you seeing any particular problems in in that area of either the guys on the floor you know or you know women and making them happy and satisfying the people that write the checks and it that has the integration and kind of yeah. all other stuff i i think it's really important to to focus on when it comes to making the people in the office happy it in a lot of cases is going to come back to making those guys on the floor happy so the first shop that we rolled out with um it, it was remarkably smooth um and part of that you know i think we lucked out a little bit in that we got a workforce that was a bit younger um they were a bit more you know okay with using their personal phones 
Another one of the shops that we're working with, the guys on the floor very much, they're not as big on using their personal phones on the floor. It was very much, hey, if like my phone breaks, like, you know, you're going to need to like replace it if I'm using it out on the floor. And so that's required a little bit of work on our end. Um, it's certainly something that we're working on, on overcoming and we're making progress on. Part of it is just making sure um, when you're doing the onboarding with the team that you understand who the loudest voices on the floor are. Um, so sometimes there's some really key influencers out there that carry a lot of weight. So making sure you get their buy-in is pivotal. Um, and then the other portion too, is just making sure that you can accommodate um, some of the concerns from the guys on the floor. So if they're concerned about using their personal phones, tablets is an option that a lot of like the business owners are very okay with the idea of tablets. Yeah, but then you just, now and yeah, but you just got, need to make sure one in the back. <laughs> make sure that process is smooth because if you put a tablet out on the floor and the guys feel like logging in and out of the tablet for like different users and things it's really like cumbersome kind of process then you're adding more friction to uh, a work process that didn't have any friction before so you need to make sure that's really smooth and so we've done some work on that and we're seeing some good kind of results from from our efforts in that uh, field but it certainly is something that you need to be aware of. Um, and we try to pull in some of the guys from the shop floor into the, the purchasing decision if we can, just so that we've right. kind of got their, their input um, as early as possible, because it generally just makes it a lot easier once you get to the floor. Um, can also be impacted by um, how what the relationships are with the guys on the floor. Like uh, one of the advantages I think with the first shop again is um, one of the guys that will probably end up being in the ownership of the company, like his father, I think founded the company, he works out on the floor. So obviously that's a little easier to get buy-in when you've got someone that is on the floor, but they can see it from a management's perspective. So I think mm -hmm. a lot of that is just getting everyone aligned that this is what's best for the company in the long term. Um, but yeah, it certainly has its challenges. What has a, your, um, your sales cycle been like, or um, to put maybe more appropriately, like, so what are your, your, your upcoming goals in terms of, of, you know, growth and, um, adding new customers? Yeah, for sure. So we've got the three shops up and running right now. Um, the one is, is fully up and running, um, and paying us a recurring, uh, you know, monthly subscription right now. The next two, we're hoping to kind of close those out, you know, by the next sort of month, month and a half. Um, and then we're looking to pull on another three or four shops um, by, you know, the end of the summer, ideally. And we've got some really, really good leads um, from some local people in Saskatoon that are moving forward. So we're excited about that. Um, in terms of sales cycle, it, it's, it really varies. Like we've had some shops, um, like one of the shops who we're working with right now, um, I mean, again, COVID's probably changed some of these numbers, but like sure. when we were first talking to them last year, uh, it was probably, we started talking to them in like February, March, and then they kind of closed in the fall, but there was another shop that we called off of a cold call and it was like, we first call. And then in the same week, like three days later, we did our discovery call. And then another three days later, we did the demo. And then like a week and a half later, we went down there and did our first ever rollout. So I think it, it, it's somewhat dependent on the availability of the management team, how busy they are with work. Like 
there were some shops we talked to at the, the start of this year that we were hoping to move forward, but then it was mine shutdown season. Um, and when the mine shut down, all the maintenance work goes out to the shops and the guys are just like, look, like I'm up to my eyeballs and work. I don't have time for this right now. So it's somewhat dependent. And I think we're over time, we'll learn when the best times to approach different kind of segments based off of the industries that they're primarily serving. Um, but yeah, yeah I mean, a lot of those, there's seasonality to a lot of those. Yeah. Businesses. Yeah. But I'd say probably the shortest that we could like realistically hope for is like three weeks. Um, other than that, it's going to be, I think you're kind of somewhat normal 30 to 60 days sort of for this kind of. On a, uh, from an onboarding and integration uh, perspective, mm-hmm. is there, um, are there any essential um, integrations with other systems that, that you'd recommend, you know, the ARP, um, yeah, this is something that we're, we're still kind of working on. We have done integrations with two of the shops that we're working with thus far. Um, it becomes a, a bit of a necessity and we'd like to, uh, there's a few different paths that we could take um, with this in the long term. But the first shop, for example, that we rolled out with, um, they, they were using a Microsoft Access system. Um, and a lot of that information, yeah, a lot of that information um, so that was getting turned into like paperwork orders and then that information is then also getting written on a whiteboard. Either way, they're still using that access system for a lot of the office side stuff, like their, their work order creation and their invoicing and their billing and a lot of that kind of thing. So for them, they didn't want to have to enter that information twice because it's quite a bit of information and yeah. you introduce possibility for error. So we worked with them to do a custom kind of like port over so that when they put the work order information in, it got pulled over and it just, get, it just gets put into like an unassigned column and then they can schedule it from there and interact with it from there for the actual kind of daily planning. That's probably the ideal version um, for integrations. There are some larger ERP players that are relatively common that don't do a great job of scheduling. They might refute that, but I, I know a number of shops would also refute their refuting of that as it were. Um, so an integration, whether it's a full-blown partnership or one by one is, is an option. And then, I mean, if I'm being totally blunt in the long term, um, you know, like say four or five years from now, Mm -hmm. the, uh, the ERPs in this space, uh, there's some bigger players that are somewhat sophisticated, but there's a lot of legacy systems that you know, they look like where they were built in the nineties because they were, and they haven't really received a lot of love or care or attention since then. And so I do think there is some possibility to kind of disrupt the overall ERP market in the long term and maybe move towards the office after we feel like we are, you know, fully confident that we've conquered the shop floor and we provide the best shop floor solution and kind of do it in in sort of a, a backwards approach versus what typically happens is they go office and then down to the floor. Yeah. Um, but, but that's a, that's a whole kind of different can of worms that we're not really, we're not fully opening it yet. We're just aware that it exists um, and it might be something worth looking at down the line. Yeah, no, I think that's a, it's a very strategic area. Um, you're obviously, you know, I think your choice to, <clears throat> to pick the, the frontline workers that are the hardest, but um once you get in there, you'll be very sticky. And I imagine it would be yeah. very difficult to displace 
to, um, you know, to replace you with uh, just an alternative solution. Um, yeah. But the connection and the connection to ERP and the more and other data systems probably going to be, you know, important in that. But I think it does leave you open, you know, let's say it's winning that larger floor, then you're going to be in that larger market for ERP mm-hmm. systems. And we know both Salesforce with acquisition of Slack and Microsoft Teams are going to go deep, you know, are going to try to win more of those, you know, mobile yeah. workers. <clears throat> and so however you end up in the M&A, you know, game at that stage, you know, five years down the line, yeah. you know, Hopefully, you know, you couldn't have built a very good, you know, asset um, that'll be attractive, you know, whichever side of the of the table you, yeah. want, to, you want to play yeah. in. Yeah. Um, so that, that seems, you know, a, a, a smart bet um, and, and one that I think will take a couple of years to really kind of figure out, as you say, what's the how do you really identify the right yeah. customer set and, and sort of not end up going down, you know, long. Yeah you know, log cycles with customers that just aren't ready or have bigger problems. <laughs> and there's total, there's, I mean, that's, there's kind of the way we're sort of looking at it right now is there's, there's a few different directions. There's the, you know, you go into the ERP space and you, you know, sort of try to cannibalize the existing players um, and replace them with something that's, you know, a better, um, you know, more, fleshed out, easier to use version of what already exists. There's also room to grow into, um, integrating with the shops that have um, like CNC machines, you can actually start bringing that data into the system. Um, there's a more vertical approach, which we've seen a little bit of interest in where you actually take the, the data and the real-time data that we're providing to the machine shops and you use that, you like leverage that as a tool for them to make their own customers happy by giving some of that visibility to their clients. Oh yeah. There's a a number of different ways that we could kind of approach it, but right now we're focused on just, you know, um, knocking the current ball out of the park, which is making the guys on the floor really, really happy and making the guy that's trying to schedule things on a daily basis, um, make it feel like his job isn't chaos and, and, you know, a little closer to organized chaos than just chaos. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, no, that's really interesting. It really resonates with me that that focus on, um, you know, for lack of a better term, sort of the blue collar worker who's not mm-hmm. had a lot of exposure to technology um, and a much more, you know, friendly interface, whether it's their phone or, you know, the the desktop, you know, the tablet on a, uh, you know, hotel yeah. somewhere. Eventually, you know, I've seen some great cases um, of companies using you know, with iPads on the shop floor and using augmented reality to be able to show. It's, an, it's another direction as well. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, training t- materials and machine specifications and options and all of that just right over the machine. Yeah. Um, so some really great, you know, it's fascinating use case. And I, I imagine you'll get some over time, get some really interesting data that could be, yeah. um, you know, that can help for scheduling and recommending and sort of advising on, Hey, mm-hmm. here's what's, Here's as we have seen patterns in the in one-off, you know, job shop type situations. Um, yeah, to be able to surface and highlight that in ways you never could with a whiteboard that you were erasing every month. To, yeah, you know, no, for sure. Monday yeah, based on the, the latest schedule. Well, that's cool. Is there anything else um, you know that you'd like to share with the audience before we go? I, 
I mean, I don't think so. I think that kind of covered what I, I thought we were going to cover today. Um, I do think that we probably we've probably seen the same AR thing. I, I remember there was a uh, there was a mining conference uh, above another mining conference that I was co-chairing, and there was a Microsoft guy there uh, that was demoing the Hololens for a bunch of the big mining companies and how they could see each other's control panels across the world. And I thought it was it was pretty slick. But uh, yeah, it's definitely another direction that I know some of some of the team are really interested in exploring down the road as well. So, Yeah, well, very cool. We'll really enjoy talking to you, uh, Jordan. Um, yeah. That's it. Yeah, that's it for this episode. I hope the audience uh, enjoyed it as much as I did. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at RoyKing3. And until the next podcast, goodbye. <laughs>